Hey there, my name's Daniel. You're about to listen to the Saints Church Podcast, and you're about to hear a life-changing message. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy. Hey, my name is Brett. I'm the senior pastor of Saints Church, and let me just tell you, I'm so glad that you are here right now. I've been praying for you, and I believe that the best is yet to come. And as we turn towards the scriptures, we're, we're actually looking to answer some really big questions. And we're in the midst of this sermon series called Saints Anatomy. And we're asking the questions of what does it mean to be a Christian right now? What does it look like to be the church right now? We're wrestling with these big questions. And the truth is, we should never stop wrestling with these questions. Because we are on a journey with Jesus, and he is leading us and guiding us and transforming us. And so we are always looking inside and looking upward, and we're looking to the word to say, what does it mean for me in this season to follow Jesus with my whole heart, to follow him with everything that I have? What does it mean? I want us to look into Romans 12 today, but before we jump into Romans 12, we're actually going to start at Acts 2. While some of us might be deconstructing, we're in a season of reconstructing. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it look like to be the church? But we're not building it on on a foundation of our ideas or our best philosophies. We're going to the words of Jesus. We're going to the scriptures and we're saying, listen, this is how we build our lives. This is how we build our families. This is how we build our church. I'm not deconstructing, I'm reconstructing on the Word of God. So let's go here. We're going to Acts chapter 2, 42. Uh, maybe we'll get to 47. We're, in reality, this is, this is the, the church start playbook. This is source material. This is original stuff. Like if we're talking about the, the, the origin stories, this is the origin stories of the church. Now, the church in Scripture, is the word church doesn't get used. The Greek word that's used in Scripture is ekklesia, which means that we are called out ones, ones that are called out from their home, or we could say this, ones that are called out for, from a comfortable place into the public place for a purpose. Your purpose is to be a part of the body of Christ, to be a part of the movement of Jesus, where the mind of Christ leads the body of Christ and we together take a step forward into the plans and purpose that God has. Jesus' plan is the church and you are the church. So Jesus' plan for your neighborhood and your circle and for your friends and for your family and your workplace, God's plan is you. (laughs) You're called, you're chosen, he chose you. Let's look at Acts 2, 42. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including, but let's say not limited to, the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over over them all and all the apostles, uh, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders and all believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. 
They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in the homes in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. I really want us to look at this idea of fellowship and relationship. Fellowship and relationship. Now you might have all like that. That's a weird word. You might think Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. You might have all kinds of associations. Uh, my association is we used to have this thing when I grew up at church called fellowship. <laughs> That's what it was just called. That was It was called fellowship. And what fellowship was, was every once in a while, I don't know how often, on a Sunday night. That's right. I went to church. We had Sunday night services. And after the Sunday night service, uh, there would be fellowship and we would go downstairs in the old church basement and we would have Pentecostal peach juice, which is like tang, you know, the powdered kind and these open face pizza buns, which still go down in history as the greatest open face sandwich ever created. And as a youth or a teenager, you would do anything you could to slip out of service to get down just to beat the line. And you pro tip. The best way to get to the front of the line was to serve in kids' ministry. Because if you served in kids' ministry, you got out and you get to go and eat all the things. And that's what fellowship was. But that's a terrible definition of, of fellowship. What is fellowship? Fellowship is community. And what we find in Acts 2.42 is that the early church was devoted to fellowship. They were devoted. They were deeply committed. They were dedicated to fellowship. They were dedicated to being a family, to being a community. They, they shared their things. They sold things to help people pay for things. They were this people that were committed to one another. Now think about this. It says this at the very end of Acts 2, 47, that all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. So when relationships are good, there is a goodwill that happens amongst the people. And But get this, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The Lord added to their family, to their community, to their friend group, those who were being saved. He added, it doesn't say that he added to the church, those who were being saved. The language is very clear. It says he added them to their fellowship, into their relationships. We don't just open the doors of the church for people who need Jesus. We open our hearts. We open our lives. We open our homes. We open our friend group. We open up parts of ourselves. We choose to love. What did Jesus say? And they, they will know you, those outside of our fellowship, outside of our friendship, outside of our relationship, outside of this relationship with Jesus. They will know us by our love and particularly our love for one another. Now, I would say that that's not our reputation church-wide, period. I'm not talking about any one church. I'm not talking about saints' church. I'm talking about the global church. We are known for shooting our wounded. The only army on the face of the earth that shoots its wounded. You know, we're not like the Navy SEALs that we say, you know, nobody left behind, no man left behind. We're like, no, if there's any sniff of disagreement, take them out. But that wasn't the original intent. That wasn't the original plan. Let's shift over now to, to Romans 
chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, uh, the Apostle Paul is, is talking about us being the body of Christ. Our real thesis for this series has been Romans 12, uh, verse four to five. This is what it says. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We are better together. It's not just a hashtag. It's, it's the, the idea that God came up with. God's idea to move his will and his plan and his purpose forward on the earth to, to see everyone discover that hope in life that's found in Jesus. His plan is the church. You are the church and we are a body and each part is important. Each part is necessary. First Corinthians 12 says that if even one part suffers, then we all suffer. Can I ask you this question? What's your vibe? What's your vibe? You know, like when you roll into somebody's house, like what's your vibe? You know, you watch those, those movies and like the, I don't know, like those movies with all like these friend groups and it's typecast, right? Like there's, there's funny guy and then there's like consistently I have a problem in my life but I don't tell anybody guy. And then there's like the cool guy who it's everything's always all together all the time. Like what's your vibe? Where, 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 do, you, where do you fit? I can tell you I'm the... Sometimes funny guy, but I'm not a fun guy. I'm funny, but I'm not fun. <laughs> that's my vibe. Like, it just kind of, that, that's, my, that's my vibe. The reality is the Apostle Paul is actually trying to change our vibe by pointing us to Jesus. He says, listen, when Jesus enters your life, he's going to change the way you think. So the way that you think about yourself and the way that you think about other people, he's going to change and transform the way you think. That's uh, Romans 12 verse 1 to 2. He wants to change the way you think. We know from Isaiah 55 that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And when we begin to draw near to Jesus, we begin to search out his word, begin to reconstruct on a firm foundation. What we discover is the way that we think about ourselves is not the way that we used to think about ourselves. When Jesus enters the scene and when the Holy Spirit starts changing and transforming our lives, we think about ourselves the way that God thinks about us. But it doesn't just stop there at our personal identity. We start thinking about others the way that God thinks about them. We see them differently. We see them with the heart of God. We see them as a necessary part of our family. And we need all the vibes. We need each one person. Each part is significant and it's special. And we're a growing body and we're getting new strengths every day as, as those are being added to our fellowship, to our friendships, to our relationships, maybe I could ask this question. When was the last time somebody new joined your friend group? Now, I know it's COVID. <laughs> I know that this is a season. But God wants you to be connected. It's vital for your health, but it's also vital for the health of those around you. You're a beacon of hope. You have something that your neighborhood needs, that your coworkers need. That's the hope in life that's found in Jesus. It's in you. I wonder what might happen if you let it out of you and then you let them in to your circle. I think we need to broaden the circle. <laughs> but let's look 
In Romans 12, the Apostle Paul drills down. He took us through. This is what it looks like to be a part of the body in, in, as an individual. And he looked at it in three parts. We're trichotomous beings. He said body, soul, and spirit. That's the beginning of Romans. But now he starts saying, how do we function within the family? Because every family has its own set of like expectations and assumptions. Like you have a way that your family celebrates Christmas. And that's your thing. So uh, the Apostle Paul here is actually trying to create a box or a context to say, this is how this is how this family operates. Maybe you've got one of those like decals in your kitchen on the wall that's like, we laugh uh, loud and we dance like nobody's watching. Like whatever you do, you know what I'm talking. You know what I'm talking. Every so every mom has one of those somewhere, and I mean it's changed throughout the years. I remember in my house, my mom had this wood thing that hung on the wall growing up, and it was like First Corinthians 13. And maybe that's why I just use it at every wedding because it's just burned into my mind that love keeps no records of wrongs. Uh, maybe that's for you out there who's who, who's participating with this. And you're saying, you know what, my life is defined by me taking uh, notes and keeping records of, of wrongs. And can I tell you, you're wrong if you keep records of wrong because that's not operating in love. The Apostle Paul takes it down in Romans 12, verse 14. He says this, bless those who persecute you. Bless those who persecute you. Now, you might be thinking, oh, he's talking about people like from the outside. Like, yeah, like there's all kinds of things like happening right now. We're persecuted. No, I'm not talking about that. That's not even what the writer is talking about. He's talking about people in your life, in your fellowship, in your community, Christians. Dr. Warren Wearsby says this, if Christians can't get along with one another, how can they ever face their enemies? <laughs> Shot through the heart, you're too late. You give love a bad name. I don't know if I'm allowed to quote Bon Jovi in church, but I, 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 think, I, just, I think I just did. Um, he says, bless those who persecute you. The word persecute is those who, who come after you, who harass you, who trouble you. Those who pursue you and chase you down, who you know those people in your life who are just like, why, like, why do, you, why can't you say a positive word? And everything within you wants to strike back. And this is what he says. We continue this same verse. This is twelve fourteen. He says, "Don't curse them." And you're like, "Oh, I don't curse anybody." Like that's a that's a spiritual practice that I don't think that I should get into. Is like uttering curses. Literally, that phrase, "Don't curse them," means don't turn around and bite back. Don't slap back. Don't come back with the quick comment. Don't fight fire with fire. Fight fire with grace. And then he doubles down because it says, bless those who persecute. Then he, then he says, pray that God will bless them. In other words, every single time someone comes up to attack you and they pursue you and they're ripping you down. And I'm talking about those who are in the family. The way that we handle this family is that we turn around and we don't turn around and curse them. We turn around and bless them. We speak hope and we speak life and we speak destiny. He gives explicit direction. Bless those who persecute you and pray that God will bless them. Think about that. This is what the word bless means. It means to celebrate, to invoke blessings, to consecrate a thing with solemn prayer. This is a, this is a spiritual thing. God is transforming your heart with the words of your mouth. That's why the tongue is so powerful. There's death in life in the power of the tongue. And, and when you can use it for a blessing, 
God's actually changing your mind, changing your spirit, changing your heart. He's flushing out all of those things that have been causing you wounds. You've been wounded for a long time because your first word is a curse, not a blessing. Verse 15, it says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. So the plan in this family is to fight fire with love, to bless instead of curse, and then to be fully present. That's what this family looks like. We speak words of life. We build up. We don't tear down. We believe the best. (laughs) Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Be fully present in the moment. Have you ever been in one of those conversations where you know that somebody that is talking to you right now clearly doesn't want to talk to you? They want to, they're waiting for somebody else and you're filling time. Maybe you're at an event or you're somewhere and what they're doing is they're talking to you, but they're like, they're doing this. They're like looking over your shoulder. So they're kind of looking at you, but they're kind of looking over the shoulder. Like they're just kind of like, they're kind of looking at making eye contact, but what they're more interested in is what's happening on the other side. Have you ever been in that moment? Have you ever done that to somebody? Come on, be honest. If you've done that to somebody, say, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. I mean, my hand's still up. Guilty as charged. We've all done that. What Paul says, the parameters of this family for us to love and to love well is that we're fully present in in the best moments and in the worst moments. We're fully present. Be happy and rejoice with those who are celebrating. Weep. With those who weep, he continues, live in harmony with each other. Live in harmony with each other. That's going to take work. I mean, you didn't notice these things. To bless instead of curse is to fight your nature. Your, Your human nature is contrary to God's nature. Your human nature is to strike back, to take vengeance. And he goes there in a moment. God's nature is to... In spite of every circumstance, to speak life, to believe the best, and to move you forward into your destiny. Live in harmony with each other. Psalm 133 really lays this out, and I'm not going to go there. You can go there. You should read it. But what we find is that harmony is wonderful and pleasant. It's precious, and it's precious in the sight of the Lord. That it's spiritual, because in Psalm 133, verse 2, it talks that it's, it's as precious as this anointing oil that flows down errands. It's the thing that sets apart. That anointing oil is the thing that sets apart. It's precious, which means you are set apart when you flow and you function in harmony and in love. Now, the, I love the word harmony because when you, I'm a music guy. And when you think about music, harmony means that when you put together a chord, so every chord is made up of, of three parts. I mean, there's, there's more, but the very simplistic definition is a root, a third, and a fifth, and they work together. And there's major chords and there's minor chords. When you're in harmony, you don't have to play the same note. 
So we're a part of a family. We're a part of a body. Every part is important, but we don't all have to do the same thing. We don't even all have to uh, behave the same way, but what we need to do is be in harmony with, in, with one another. We're complementing one another. We live in this sense of unity. And then in verse three, it says that when there's people that live together in unity and in harmony, it is refreshing. It's a refreshing atmosphere. So let me ask you this question. What's the vibe when you walk in? Are you a person who walks in harmony, who walks in unity, who carries yourself in such a way that you bring life? Or when you walk in a room, does it suck the air out of the room? I tell you, when you're a person that walks in unity and in harmony, who lets love lead, which means you let Jesus lead, because what do we discover? Not that God is like love, but God is love. We find that in 1 John. He's the definition of real love, that when we live in love, that there's a refreshing atmosphere. I don't know about you but I could use some refreshing, especially now. And I wonder what might happen if you become a person of refreshing. You change the atmosphere. The love of God in you changes the atmosphere. And it continues in Psalm 133. It says that there's God's pronounced blessing on those who live in unity, who live in harmony, who love one another, who prefer one another. Earlier in Romans 12, 10, it says, those who take delight in honoring one another. It's refreshing, but there is a blessing that comes. And in some ways, I think the blessing is one another. That we've joined this fellowship, we've joined this family, we find a place, we find a fit, we find a purpose, and then we find real love, people who believe in us and believe the best in us, that we would learn to enjoy the goodwill of all the people. See, what does goodwill do? Goodwill, another word for goodwill is actually grace, that you begin to live in the grace of the family, which is an extension of the grace of God, that grace is that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness. <laughs> That's somebody that I want to be around. That's the kind of person that I want to be. If, when someone talks about our church and our family and our fellowship, Saints Church, and you're a representative of that. You're a part of that wherever, wherever you are in the world right now. You're carrying that spirit, that DNA, and that's a spirit of love and humility and grace. It continues on, it says, live in harmony with each other. It says this, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Has the Apostle Paul been to a small group recently? <laughs> we all know that person who thinks they know it all. And he just says, listen, stop. Stop. You know, in the King James Version, it literally says, don't be condescending. 
<laughs> because when you're condescending, you actually, so to break the word down, it says that you lead people away. You lead them astray. They're carried away. Why? Because you trust more in your ideas or your ideologies than you do in Jesus. And he says, listen, be humble and understand that as a part of this family, Jesus is leading the way. He's given you gifts, talents, and abilities, and he wants you to take a step out in faith. But let's not get ahead of Jesus. Let's not Let's not think that we know it all. Let's just think that we know the one who knows it all. But I love that phrase. Don't be too afraid to enjoy the company of ordinary people. What does it even mean by that, ordinary people? Well, in terms of Christianity, in terms of the church, when he talks about ordinary people, He's talking about us who are in this family, but some of us think that for whatever reason, maybe by birth, by family name, by spiritual gift, by income bracket, that we we are higher than somebody else. And the truth is, no, we're all sinners, all have sinned, all have fallen short of God's glory standard. We are one and the same people who are in desperate need of Jesus Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Do you notice that? That if you would be humble, that you would actually learn to enjoy people. (laughs) If you haven't found yourself connected, I guess you have to ask yourself this question. Am I too proud to find joy in connecting with others? Do I have to always be right when I walk in the room? Man, this guy is cutthroat. I mean, don't, don't take my word for it. This is, this is just the Bible. Now, you might be watching this, and you might not be a Christian, but you're like, listen, this is, this is stuff that I could get on board with. I want to be a person who operates out of love. Can I tell you, uh, it, we are all inadequate to live this way without the transforming power of Jesus and without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can be a good person for sure. Absolutely, no question about it. But you can't love this way selflessly and sacrificially without the love of Jesus and the transformation from the inside out. Let me ask you this question for those of us who are in the fellowship, in the family, in the church. Do you live in a bubble? I mean, not a quarantine bubble. I mean in a, in a Christian bubble where you only find people that look like you, talk like you, sound like you, have the same ideas as you, dress like you. Or is your circle larger? I wonder what might happen if the people of God open their hearts, open their lives, open their homes. I think we would see thousands added to our fellowship, to our family daily because our hearts are open and we live in the spirit of love, unity and harmony where there is blessing of God. Thanks for listening to the Saints Church Podcast. Tune in next time for another great word.